George Kirby got called up, and boy, was that worth the wait. Plus, we've got your questions. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. So news broke on Saturday that uh, the Seattle Mariners were calling up prospect George Kirby. He was going to make a start on Sunday facing Tampa Bay. And uh, boy, was that a start. So, refresher. First round of 2019, uh, 20th overall pick out of Elon, which is a college that exists somewhere. Do not know where it is. Uh, Kirby is seen as the number two prospect in this system, right behind Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Top 15, 20 prospect in baseball, kind of consensus across the baseball um, the prospect apparatus, and the scouting report on him was the fastball is explosive. It's got late life to it. Fantastic pitch. He can lo- uh, he can locate it to either side of the plate, and his command is elite of that pitch. Combine that with a a plus wipeout slider, above average curveball, and a changeup that's. Average, but disguises well off the fastball, and you have a guy with the tools to be a future number one or number two as long as he stays healthy. So he comes up, and he comes up because Matt Brash gets sent down. I'll get to that in in a second. But Kirby comes up after having gone to double A and really done everything you could possibly expect a guy to do at double A. So uh, 2-0 in five games, 1-8-2 ERA, uh, only allowed five earned runs, five walks, 32 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds innings. So, did everything you could have possibly asked him to do at A. And the thing about this is, this call-up was not entirely without risk. So, Kirby drafted, plays some in 2019, gets about eight games in. No 2020 season. 2021 starts off at high A, gets about nine games there, gets moved to double A. Six games in double A last year. Five games in double A today represent the entirety of his professional career above A ball. 11 games above A. So there's some risk here, but we feel like Seattle felt good about where he was going to be as far as preparation and ability to handle himself against big league hitters, and boy, did he. So, facing the Rays, the fight in Wander Francos, struck out the side in the first inning. Three strikeouts in the first inning. Finishes the game, six innings pitched, four hits, no walks, with seven strikeouts. I mean, just looked absolutely fantastic. You go back, you watch the highlights, they're swinging and missing. They have no idea where this ball is going. They're set up middle, middle, and it ends up on their hands. Or they're set like they're ready for a ball, let's say down and away, and it ends up above their head. I mean, just no idea what's going on here. 
was fantastic. His family was there. You always love to see that. And so this is something where I can see Kirby sticking in the lineup for a while. And what I worry about is the first time he struggles, what does that look like? And I don't mean like, what does the stat line look like? I mean, what is his reaction and what is the team's reaction? Because we saw they sent Matt Brash down uh, over the weekend and that's the spot that Kirby took. And I'm not going to say that Kirby and Brash are going to have similar stat lines. I mean, Matt Brash started, uh, started five games, was one and three, 7.65 ERA, 2.05 whip, 20 innings pitch, 24 hits, 17 earned runs, 17 walks, 19 strikeouts. So seems obvious issue with his control. And when you watch some of these starts, you saw some of these same things. Uh, it was very clear that there was times when he couldn't land the slider for a strike. He could start it in the zone and let it run out of the zone. But if the hitter was prepared for that or didn't chase it, he couldn't turn around and then put the slider in the zone for a strike. Wasn't always able to locate the fastball exactly where it needed to be. And these are two really good pitches. I mean, 70 grade on the fastball and the slider. So there was always a question about would Matt Brash be a starter or would Matt Brash be an impact reliever, maybe even a closer out of the bullpen. And Seattle's moved him to AAA, but they have also said they're going to move him to the bullpen this year. So like starting now, when he goes to AAA, he will be going to the bullpen. And I understand putting him in the bullpen. I think it's too early to pull the trigger on that. And it's simply because when you have a guy with two separate weapons as good as the fastball and the slider. And the slider's the, be- the slider's the best slider in Seattle's entire system. I mean, let's be honest. It's the best slider that they have. Um, I mean, Kirby has a very good fastball, very good control, but the slider, like, that is a Matt Brash thing. Um, I think that it's a little early for this. I think that if you can work on that knuckle curve, uh, make sure that he can land that for strikes. Obviously, some more work on the control for the slider, uh, as well as the changeup, which I think the changeup can be a plus pitch if he can harness it. I think this is something where if you wanted to say go to AAA, continue to start in AAA and work over an outing, can you control these pitches a little better? Can you be a little more effective? I think that's fine. I think. Moving him to the bullpen this quickly is not advantageous to him. And even if they decide to turn him back into a starter next year, I still think this is going to mess up the development curve for a guy that doesn't need to be given the opportunity to just go out and throw his max effort for an inning. He needs to go out there and throw five or six consecutive innings and have to work out these problems in real time. Let him do it in AAA, where it doesn't affect the big league club, but he needs to focus on working through a control issue in an outing. Okay, it's an inning in, I can't land the curveball for a strike, they're not chasing the slider. I gotta work on fastball changeup until I can get them to chase the slider again. Make him learn that live. 
Don't let him go out of the pen for an inning where he can just throw 99-100 and he can flash a slider at you. And if you don't chase, well, he can just run it up to 100 again and throw it past you. Like, Don't let him do that. Save him from himself. Every pitcher, when they go to the bullpen, they talk about you can throw max effort because you don't have to worry about keeping anything in the tank. But when you do that, you lose the ability to make adjustments from inning to inning to adjust when you see a guy for the second time and then for the third time. So I really hope that he. I, this is either a temporary thing that they quickly come back off of or they change their mind and put him back in the rotation. And in just a minute, I've got some great questions here from y'all that I'm excited to answer. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and your sports info. You can get all the latest sports developments. Um, basketball playoffs, MLB. Obviously, we just had the Kentucky Derby last week and a bunch of folks won a bunch of money on BetOnline betting on the Kentucky Derby. So, it is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. As we do every Monday, questions. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Uh, this first question comes from at GL World on Twitter. And he says, okay, would you rather have right-hand pitcher Brian Bello or left-hand pitcher Brandon Walter and why? So this was surprisingly tough for me. I did not expect this to be as hard as it would. Because when you look at it on its face, you're like, okay, Bellow's a 2017 IFA who's been in the system. He has probably the best changeup in Boston's entire system. Okay. And then you look at Walter, and Walter's like, okay, 26th round guy in 2019. That round doesn't even exist anymore. 26th round guy in 2019, you're like, okay. Top of my head, you're probably thinking the IFA guy is the bigger guy than... So, when you look at Bello, the big thing behind Bello is picked up a ton of velocity during the shutdown. He can run the fastball up to 98. Uh, and he's not done any favors by his delivery. So he his what they call an arm path. His arm path is really long. So you get a long time to watch the fastball, watch his arm before it's released. And because of that, and because it doesn't move a ton as far as move laterally, uh, you know, move horizontally or even vertically, it plays down a bit off of its speed. But when he can throw it high in the zone, it plays really well with the changeup. And then he's got a slider he's been working on. It's getting better and better. It's above average now. Uh, and he's looking at adding a, two, like, from what I've heard from early reports, is he's he's working on a two-seamer to put in there as well. So that would give you... um. Fastball, changeup, slider, two-seamer. And then you take all of that with above-average control, and he doesn't walk a bunch of guys. So I see him as like a third, like a three or a four. Um, I, fastball command needs to be a little better, 
And I'd love if it would just be something besides dead straight. I would love for it to move a little bit. Now flip that over. Brandon Walter, okay? Best fastball in the system. I mean, let's be honest here. And this is something, he was drafted so low because he had Tommy John in college, missed the entire, like, got hurt his sophomore year. So he lost part of that year. Then lost his entire 2018 rehabbing. So they took him super late. But, all right, low arm slot, like a three-quarter arm slot. Um, so, you know, sinker sits around 95 or so. Slider's a sweeping kind of pitch. Changeup is really good as far as righties and lefties both, which is not something you always see. Um, walk rate's like 5%. So he's a guy where you see it coming, you try to hit it, and you can't. It's a lot of chases there. Uh, needs to throw more strikes. And their results this year, like both guys have pitched well this year. So, so Bello, five games, 195 ERA, 27 and two thirds innings, uh, 11 walks to 37 strikeouts. A little bit of that control stuff we talked about. Um, where you, you look at, at um, Walter, Walter, five games, 0.93 ERA, which is absurd. Three earned runs allowed, one walk to 39 strikeouts. I think Bello is going to end up the better pitcher. I like Walter more. And the reason for that is Walter doesn't walk, guys. He's got really good stuff, like elite level stuff. He's just learning how to use it. He lost so much development time because of Tommy John and then the pandemic. He lost his 2020. He just lost so much time where he's learning the game. Brian Bello, the stuff isn't as good. He's got decent control of it, but the stuff isn't as good. You can still be effective. I'm not calling him a finesse pitcher. I mean, he can hit 98. He's not a finesse pitcher, but he has more of that finesse pitcher type game about him. He has to hit his spots, he, you know, because his stuff is hittable at times. That fastball is just dead straight. So give me the guy that has the elite stuff and let me hope he can control it because it looks like he, Walter can over the guy that doesn't have the elite stuff but decent control of it. Does that make sense? I'd rather have the guy with the amazing, the electric pitch and he's learning to control it versus the guy that doesn't have amazing stuff because it's harder to teach stuff than it is to teach control. So I think Bellow is going to end up the better pro, probably. But I like Walter more. Just me. And then another question, and it's a guy we've actually talked about on this show in the past. Uh, we talked about Moises Gomez, the, uh, the, the Springfield Cardinal. Uh, and the question here from Geo World on Twitter was, is it possible that he makes the bigs this season? And I think it's a maybe. So the thing behind Moises Gomez, you have to understand, uh, 2015 IFA by the Rays, played all the way through, uh, spent 21 in AA Montgomery, hit 171 over 76 games. Slash line was 171, 256, 309. Um, so they released him when the season was over because 40-man decision time. So they released him. They, he was signed in 20. I mean, he, he, he played in their system for six, out of six seasons over seven years because of the pandemic. 
And then when he goes to Springfield now, uh, 23 games in, he's batting 391, 438, 954. He's got 14 home runs. I mean, sorry, 14 home runs, 30 RBIs, 8 walks, 30 strikeouts. His 14 home runs right now is 5 off of his single season record in low A in 2018 at 19 years old where he hit 19 home runs in 122 games. So, yes, it is entirely possible that Moises Gomez is a late bloomer. I am not saying it is not. Uh, He is a great power hitter. Maybe he's just figured it out. Uh, I think whether or not he makes the big leagues very, very much depends on injuries because there's plenty of, of outfielders right now. And then the issue here is defensively, he's seen as average defender in the corners. So he is an offensive first player who has not had an amazing track record of offense until this small sample in 2022. So if he keeps it up, I think he can make an appearance if either there's an outfield opening that comes up or a lack of offense and there's a DH spot that they have to fill in St. Louis. Do I think it's likely? Probably not. Is it possible? Yes. And if he does get called up, I would be really curious to see how he does. I mean, again, great power profile as far as, I mean, he's he's hitting, he's hitting the the bejesus out of the ball. He's got a 1392 OPS. He has almost, he has a 954 slugging right now, but it's so out of character for any other thing that he's done. I want to see a sample that's longer than 23 games before I say, yes, this is the real deal. Um, I hope it is. I want him to be. He's a super nice guy. I've seen him in person in Montgomery. Super nice guy. I want this to be the real deal. Uh, and I'm hopeful that it's going to be. And in just a minute, I've got some great questions about next year's possible number one prospect. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's better for you than a candy bar. This summer, with summer coming and you going on vacations and road trips, I, I separate a vacation from a trip. A trip is something you have to do. A vacation is obviously a whole different thing than just a trip because you can unplug and all that stuff. But anyway. Whether it's a trip or a vacation, pack some Built Bars. You can throw them in your backpack, throw them in your kid's backpack, throw them in, have, your, have your spouse throw them in their purse, leave them in the car, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're healthy. They're delicious. You don't have to sacrifice delicious food for health because with Built Bars, you can have both. So both the Built Bars and the Puffs, their protein-infused marshmallows, are covered in 100% real chocolate. So you can eat healthy and enjoy while you do it. Uh, 140 calories. 17 grams of protein, it keeps you full, holds you over to your next meal. Uh, for the puffs, tons of flavors. Banana cream pie, churro, like I mentioned before, one of our Locked On hosts puts the churro puff in his coffee in the morning. I'm curious to try it. Uh, Built Bars, tons of options there. Double chocolate, banana cream pie, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, all that stuff. Um, if you're not sure what you want... Get the mix box. Has 12 flavors of bars and puffs in the same box. You can go to built.com. Uh, they have a list of all of the flavors there of all the different types of products they have. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. 
gmail.com. Okay, so love this question. Wesley, who's emailed the show before, uh, sent, sent this question via email. And it touches on something we, had, we talked about last week. He says, if Anthony Volpe, I'm paraphrasing, if Anthony Volpe is not the number one prospect next year, and if you'll remember, we talked last week about extremely small sample size, but the kid can't hit a slider right now. Hard to be number one prospect when you can't hit a slider. If he's not the number one prospect next year, who do I think it'll be? Love this question. So the thing about top prospects, guys in that top 15 to 25, unless they graduate or they get hurt, they almost always repeat in that top 25. You rarely see a guy get up in that, into that level of prospect rankings and then fall all the way back out. And when it happens, it's usually some sort of catastrophic thing, like I said, either an injury or a McKenzie Gore where they completely almost forget how to pitch for a while. So if Volpe isn't the number one guy, and again, very small sample size, but what we've seen so far, he can't hit a slider. Uh, I've got three suggestions of players who I think might get there. Uh, number one, Mets catcher Francisco Alvarez. So right now, um, pulling up very current stats, he's in double A, 227, 330, 467. Not a super impressive slash line, but he's the best hitter for average in this system. He's got the best strike zone discipline in this system. Um, High A Brooklyn last year, he hit 24 home runs in 99 games at 19 years old. Had a 941 OPS, was, um, was best of anybody his age. And that includes some guys we've talked about on this show before. Zach Veen, Robert Hassel, like kind of guys. Then he went to the hitting camp in the fall, the Mets did. Then he went to the Dominican and played there. And so he's got very, very good awareness offensively. Uh, he can hit for average and he can hit for power. Kind of has that natural timing where he can, he just, it just understands when to swing, uh, what he has to go for. He can, um, very short, very fast bat path so he can get into the zone rather quickly, uh, excels at hitting balls to right center. And then defensively, not amazing, but he's good enough. And he's getting better. He's, he's legitimately working on getting better. Uh, He actually got moved out of low A last year because they wanted him to get away from the automatic balls and strikes. They wanted him to work on framing and, you know, try to buy some strikes there. So uh, he's got really good arm strength. His raw arm strength is plus. He's not that efficient with it. He needs to work out his motion. His motion is a little bit uh, busy. So some of the defensive changes he's making is going to be using his body more than his hands to block pitches going to be streamlining his throwing motion to get more of that power behind it. Early reports are he's done a lot of these things. He's gotten better defensively. And so I expect him to to spend most of the year at double A, might get a cup of coffee in triple A, and then next year be, could be number one. Um, probably comes up to the majors at some point in time in 23. I think he can be a middle-of-the-order hitter. I think he's going to handle a pitching staff really well. He just kind of has that about him. Uh, very good chance to be number one. Another guy, Noel V. Marte. So, shortstop for the Mariners. It just feels like the Mariners keep getting these dudes, man. They just keep getting these guys. 
so the thing about Marte is signed in 2018, went to the alternate site, didn't have a great time there. The youngest player there, kind of easily, uh, didn't start in full season ball until 21, but was in low wave Modesto, uh, was in the tops for the of the league in hits and runs and doubles and home runs and walks and RBIs and stolen bases, just all of these, all of these different accolades. Uh, went up to high A at the end of the year, uh, is now there right now, 23 games in, batting 247, 362, 438. Uh, four home runs. And I think he's got two stolen bases. Yeah, two stolen bases. So the thing here is the power is like plus plus power, which he's not a big dude. 6'1", 187. He's not massive, but he's just very mechanically sound. And he naturally has a very good kinetic chain. And so he can impart power from his legs into his swing. Very, It's a very smooth swing. He can very easily get power into it, and just crush bombs. Uh, I think he's going to be an above-average hitter. Uh, when, he's, when he's really on and feeling it, he can recognize, he can pick up spin, he can recognize velocity, and he knows what he can swing at and what he doesn't need to swing at. Um, moves pretty well. Not a blazer, but moves, moves good enough. Above-average arm. I think... Some of the defensive issues you see from him come down to a mental thing. It's a lack of focus. And then he gets kind of careless when it comes to his footwork and stuff. So a little bit of fine-tuning to be done defensively. If he sticks it short, I think he's going to be like a power-hitting all-star shortstop. If he moves to third, I think he's still going to be a middle-of-the-order guy who plays for you for a decade. I mean, I feel really good that Novi Marte is going to be a good professional hitter. If his defense cleans up, I can see him contending for that number one spot. If he still struggles defensively or they go ahead and move him to third, he probably falls down a little bit simply because you don't place a premium on defense at third like you do at short. The third guy, and I know this is this is kind of running long for an answer here. I'm not going to get to the second question. But uh, is... Jack Leiter. So second round pick last year, started him in double A Frisco already. I don't really know what all we can say about Jack Leiter. Um, his teammates with Anthony Volpe in New Jersey, went to Vandy, is just been absolutely absurd. Threw a no, uh, threw, threw a no hitter. Uh, and I think, I think it was in 2021. Yeah. Threw, threw a no hitter, 16 strikeouts. The next, next game went seven more scoreless innings. Just absolutely absurd. Uh, went number two overall. I mean, he's got a 70-grade fastball. Plus, plus. Can touch 99. It's just absolutely absurd. Uh, he's got a, a big curveball. He's got a, like a hard slider. Both of them are plus pitches. The changeups above average, I think, could be plus. He doesn't throw it a lot. Throws it like 4% of the time. Throw it more often. Gets a lot of swings and misses. He really was like a fastball, curveball, kind of dominant guy in college. And those two play really well off each other. Uh, I think the only questions you really have for Jack Leiter uh, is one, physical. So he's, he's like 6'1", 200, 205. And so in college, he had to skip a start here or there uh, because of fatigue. And so 
part of his time in double A is just going to be, can you pitch every five days? Go out there every five days, pitch, do what you have to do. But, I mean, so far they're kind of limiting what he does as far as pitch counts and how deep he goes into games. Five games in, 18 and two-thirds innings, four earned runs, 24 strikeouts, nine walks. One nine three ERA, whip of 107. He's answering all the questions in double A so far. Uh, I really think there's that, and then there's the home run thing. He gave up a lot of home runs in college. Like when he got hit, I think he gave up like 26 runs his entire 2021 season in college. 17 of those came from home runs. So so that he has to clean up. He's given up one in 18 innings this year so far. So good ratio so far. But physically, he needs to show that he can handle the workload. And then he needs to avoid letting folks go yard. Other than that, there's not a lot of questions about him. And part of it comes from who his dad is and his preparation. But he just, I, I mean, he has, he has an argument right now that like this season to be the number one prospect in baseball by the end of the year, especially if some of these guys graduate. So um, Francisco Alvarez, Novi Marte, Jack Leiter, I think one of those three guys is probably going to be the number one if it's not Volpe. I'm excited to revisit this conversation in a couple months and update and see where we are on this. Maybe even give some official predictions. Uh, Maybe we'll make it a contest. Let folks send in their predictions. If you have questions for the show, again, we do these mailbags every single Monday. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. I'm very excited to get your questions. There was another one here from Wesley about Corbin Carroll. And I want to go into detail on that, but we're actually, Wednesday's show is going to be a crossover with Miller Thomas from Locked On Diamondbacks. We're going to address that. We're going to address the Alec Thomas promotion and all kinds of stuff. So stay tuned for that. But until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Oh. Um.